Welcome to the Confluence Investment Management Asset Allocation Weekly Report, dated October 30th, 2020. I'm Phil Adler, and I'm speaking with Confluence Investment Management Market Strategist Patrick Theron Hernandez. Our discussion today focuses on potential opportunities within the foreign equities asset class. Confluence believes that the UK and Central European members of the European Union are in position to outperform. Patrick, you touched on this in your written comment, but I think it would be helpful to explore this a little further. The fact that Confluence Investment Management commits resources and has the expertise to identify opportunities within the broad asset class of foreign equities. How does this make you different from other asset managers or at least many other asset managers? Well, first, uh, thanks for having me on the show, Phil. Uh, you know, investing internationally involves a lot of additional considerations from foreign economic and political risk to the need to understand and manage currency exposure. In an effort to simplify the problem, a lot of investors and investment managers just treat foreign equities as one big monolith, and many get exposure to it by simply investing in a broad international equity fund. But individual countries can be very different and can have dramatically differing investment environments and prospects. Fortunately, we have the skill set necessary to do global, multidimensional research in areas like geopolitics, global economics, world demographics, and the like. And we think that gives us the capability to identify individual countries and regions that might have particularly good prospects. Well, it's obvious that Confluence Investment Management pays a lot of attention to geopolitical issues in its investment decision-making. Even the casual observer can see this from the many reports and analyses available on the Confluence Investment homepage. As the firm seeks the most appropriate investments, does Confluence make it part of its process to identify and invest in individual foreign country funds or sector-based foreign funds rather than uh, limit the foreign space to more broad-based index funds? Yes, we pay close attention to the evolving investment environment in many individual countries around the world. We're always keeping an eye on positive developments like economic reforms or improved political relationships, things like that. Naturally, we also keep an eye on the evolving risks in various countries, and we try to act on that. Let's focus on this week's theme, what may be opportunities in the UK and Central Europe. Looking at the UK first, of course, currently the UK and the EU are in hard negotiations over a post-Brexit trade relationship. And on the face of it, based on exports and imports, doesn't it seem that the UK holds the losing hand? Well, that's right. If you just look at it from a high level, the UK is very dependent on its exports to the EU. Over 45% of the UK's merchandise exports go to the EU. In contrast, only about 6% of the EU's merchandise exports go to the UK. In theory, the EU should therefore have much more negotiating leverage because it could more easily walk away from the post-Brexit trade negotiations if they're not going the right way. Well, in spite of this, the uh, the talks continue, and it appears 
that the EU may even make some concessions. What's going on here? What, what does the UK have going for it? Well, to better understand why the UK seems to be holding its own in the negotiations, we did a deep dive into the EU-UK trade relationship in 2019, and we discovered something really interesting. For several of the EU's Central European members, exports to the UK account for an unusually large amount of their overall economic activity. Even if other EU countries are less economically dependent on trade with the UK, the Central Europeans would be expected to push back against any effort by the EU leadership to take a tough approach to the UK in the negotiations. So the EU has to deal with internal divisions in these negotiations, the same sort of divisions which we see showing up uh, when it comes to deficit spending, budgets, immigration and the like? Right. This is a familiar problem with the EU as it's currently structured. There was already a big disparity in views when the EU only had 15 or 20 members, but now with 27 members, the disparity in views is even bigger. You can easily imagine how a relatively smaller, less developed country like Poland or Hungary could be at odds with bigger, more established countries like Germany or France. In fact, Poland and Hungary have recently been at odds with the EU leadership in Brussels over their political and judicial policies, which some see as authoritarian. Patrick, do Central European countries really have the ability to stand up successfully to EU leadership on, on this matter of a, a post-Brexit trade deal? Well, that's the key thing. Not only do the EU's Central European states have an interest in keeping up their exports to the UK and pushing back against the EU leadership, but they also have the ability to force those issues because of the EU's requirement that major decisions be made unanimously. Since the EU leadership needs Central European approval for the post-Brexit trade deal, as well as for unrelated issues like the EU budget and pandemic policies, the leadership has to be sensitive to the Central European's demands and can't play as tough as they'd like to with the UK. As the negotiations between the EU and UK head into their final stage, what are the most likely outcomes? Well, we think the EU and the UK should be able to strike a trade deal, but it currently looks like the agreement will be better for the UK than many observers would have expected. Of course, we can't totally discount the risk of a hard Brexit where the two sides can't come to agreement and big trade barriers that snap into place between them. However, we think the dynamics we're describing here will produce a trade deal in which the UK will still have lots of access to the EU market and vice versa. What remaining issues are particularly thorny? Well, two of the main remaining issues relate to fishing rights in the seas around Britain and uh, rules on state subsidies to private companies. The latter is probably the big, big issue as the UK wants to be able to provide economic help to companies as the country develops new post-Brexit trade relationships around the world. Patrick, your thesis is that the UK and Central Europe may be attractive investment opportunities. 
How much of this is due to recent underperformance and how much of this is due to future opportunities? Well, indeed, the long underperformance of foreign equities over the last decade has left many undervalued. On top of that, we think the dollar may be heading into a prolonged period of weakness. And that's important because periods when the dollar is falling tend to be positive for foreign stocks in general. So the overall background for foreign equities looks attractive. And then as we've shown here, the relative political power of the UK and Central Europeans is an additional potential advantage that's pretty important and underappreciated in the market. Thank you, Patrick. Our discussion today is based upon sources and data believed to be accurate and reliable. We wish to state that opinions and forward-looking statements expressed are subject to change without notice. This information does not constitute a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security. Our engineer is Dane Stoll. I'm Phil Edwards.